0: Chapter thirty six of Beau Brocade by Baroness Emma Orksie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Agony of Parting. About half an hour ago, when Jack Bathurst suddenly burst in upon Lord Stretton in the dingy little parlour upstairs he gave the lad no inkling of what was happening down below he had hastily discarded jock miggs's smock and hat and extracted a solemn promise from philip not to stir from the parlour whatever might be the tumult downstairs then he had left the boy chafing like a wild beast in its cage the heavy oak doors and thick walls of the old-fashioned inn deadened all the sounds from below and bathurst had taken the precaution of locking the door behind him but for this no doubt philip would have broken his word sooner than allow his chivalrous friend once more to risk his life for him as the noise below grew louder and louder stretton became more and more convinced that some such scene as had been enacted a day or two ago at the forge was being repeated in the hall of the pack-horse he tried with all his might to force open the door which held him imprisoned and threw his full weight against it once or twice in a vain endeavor to break the thick oaken panels but the old door fashioned of stout well-seasoned wood resisted all his efforts whilst the noise he made thereby never reached the ears of the excited throng like a fettered lion he paced up and down the narrow floor of the dingy inn parlor chafing under restraint humiliated at the thought of being unable to join in the fight that was being made for his safety his sister's cry came to him in this agonizing moment like the most joyful the most welcome call to arms the door quick he shouted as loudly as he could it is locked she found the bolt and tore open the door and the next instant he was running downstairs closely followed by patience the sergeant and soldiers had been not a little puzzled at hearing her ladyship suddenly calling in mad exultation on her brother whom they believed they were even now holding prisoner the appearance of philip at the foot of the stairs and dressed in a serving-man's suit further enhanced their bewilderment but already patience stood proud defiant and almost feverish in her excitement confronting the astonished group of soldiers this sergeant she said taking hold of her brother's hand is philip gascoigne earl of stretton my brother arrest him if you wish he surrenders to you willingly but i call upon you to let your prisoner go free the sergeant was sorely perplexed the affair was certainly getting too complicated for his stolid unimaginative brain he would have given much to relinquish command of this puzzling business altogether then you sir he said addressing philip you are the earl of stretton i am philip james gascoigne earl of stretton your prisoner sergeant replied the lad proudly but then saving your ladyship's presence said the soldier in hopeless bewilderment who the devil is my prisoner surely sergeant quoth sir humphrey with a malicious sneer you've guessed that already jack bathurst exhausted and faint after his long fight and victory had listened motionless and silent to what was going on around him with the letters safely bestowed in the sergeant's wallet and about to be placed before his royal highness the duke of cumberland himself he felt that indeed his task was accomplished fate had allowed him the infinite happiness of having served his beautiful white rose to some purpose philip now would be practically safe what happened to himself after that he cared but little at sound of sir humphrey's malicious taunt an amused smile played round the corners of his quivering mouth but patience with a rapid movement had interposed herself between sir humphrey and the sergeant your silence sir humphrey she commanded excitedly and you've any chivalry left in you ay he replied in her ear my silence now at a price name it your hand so low and quick had been questions and answers that the bewildered sergeant and his soldiers had not succeeded in catching the meaning of the words, but Sir Humphrey's final eager whisper, "Your hand," reached Jack Bathurst's sensitive ear. The look, too, in the squire of Hardington's face had already enabled him to guess the purport of the brief colloquy. Nay, Sir Humphrey Chaloner he said loudly, but tis not a marketable commodity you are offering to this lady for sale. I'll break your silence for you. What is the information that you would impart to these gallant lobsters, that, besides being my mother's son, I am also the highwayman, Beau Brocade? No, 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 protested Patience excitedly, odds my life quoth the sergeant but methought ay beau brocade said sir humphrey with a sneer robber vagabond and thief that's what this gentleman means faith is that what i meant retorted jack bathurst lightly i didn't know it for sure but with a wild cry patience had turned to the sergeant it's a lie sergeant she repeated a lie i tell you this gentleman is my friend my well whichever you are sir quoth the sergeant turning to beau brocade decisively rebel lord or highwayman you are my prisoner and he added roughly for many bitter remembrances of the past two days had surged up in his stolid mind, and either way, you hang for it. I hang for it, continued Sir Humphrey savagely, so now, methinks, my chivalrous young friend, that we can cry quits at last, and now, Sergeant said his honour peremptorily that you've found out the true character of your interesting prisoner you can restore me my letters which he caused you to filch from me but the sergeant was not prepared to do that he had been tricked and hoodwinked so often that he would not yield one iota of the advantage which he had contrived to gain your pardon sir he said deferentially yet firmly i don't exactly know the rights of that i think i'd best show them to his royal highness and you sir will be good enough to explain yourself before his honour squire west you'll suffer for this insolence sergeant retorted sir humphrey purple with rage i command you to return me those letters and i warn you that if you dare lay hands on me or hinder me in any way i'll have you degraded and publicly whipped along with that ape the beetle but the sergeant merely shrugged his shoulders and ordered off three of his men to surround sir humphrey challoner and to secure his hands if he attempted to resist his honour's wild threats of revenge did not in the least frighten the soldier now that he felt himself on safe ground at last the rapid approach of the army gave him a sense of security he knew that if he had erred through excess of zeal a reprimand would be the only punishment meted out to him whilst he risked being degraded if he neglected his duty whether the squire of hardington had or had not been a party to the late rebellion he neither knew nor cared but certainly he was not going to give up a packet of letters over which there had been so much heated discussion on both sides the fast-approaching tumult in the street confirmed him in his resolve he turned a deaf ear to all sir humphrey's protestations and only laughed at his threats already the soldiers were chafing with eagerness to see the entry of his royal highness with his staff the village folk one by one had gone out to see the more joyful proceedings and left the sergeant and his prisoners to continue their animated discussion are you ready my lord asked the sergeant turning to philip quite ready replied the lad cheerfully as he prepared to follow the soldiers he gave his sister a look of joy and hope, for he was going to temporary imprisonment only. Within a few moments, perhaps, his safety would be assured. Lady Patience Gascoigne, in virtue of her rank and position, could easily obtain an audience of the Duke of Cumberland, and in the meanwhile the letters proving Philip's innocence would have been laid before his royal highness no wonder that as the lad marching light-heartedly between two soldiers passed close to jack bathurst he held out his hand to his brave rescuer in gratitude too deep for words are you ready sir quoth the sergeant now as he turned to beaubrocade but here there was no question of either joy or hope no defense no proofs of innocence the daring outlaw had chosen his path in life and being conquered at the last had to pay the extreme penalty which his country demanded of him for having defied its laws as he too prepared to follow the soldiers out into the open patience heedless of the men around her clung passionately despairingly to the man who had sacrificed his brave life in her service, and whom she had rewarded with the intensity the magnitude of her love. "'They shall not take you,' she sobbed, throwing her protecting arms round the dearly loved form. "'They shall not! They shall not!' The cry had been so bitter, so terribly pathetic, in its despair that instinctively the soldiers stood aside awed in spite of their stolid hearts at the majesty of this great sorrow they turned respectfully away leaving a clear space round patience and bathurst thus for a moment he had her all to himself passive in her despair half crazed with her grief clinging to him with all the passionate abandonment of her great love for him what tears he whispered gently as with a tender hand he pressed back the graceful drooping head and looked into her eyes one two three four glittering diamonds and for me my sweet dream he added the intensity of his passion causing his low tender voice to quiver in his throat my beautiful white rose but yesterday for one of those glittering tears i'd gladly have endured hell's worst tortures and to-day they flow freely for me why i would not change places with a king your life your brave noble life thus sacrificed for me oh why did i ever cross your path nay my dear he said with an infinity of tenderness and an infinity of joy faith it must have been because god's angels took pity on a poor vagabond and let him get this early glimpse of paradise his fingers wandered lovingly over her soft golden hair he held her close very close to his heart drinking in every line of her exquisite loveliness rendered almost ethereal through the magnitude of her sorrow her eyes shining with passion through her tears the delicate curve of throat and chin the sensitive quivering nostrils the moist lips on which anon he would dare to imprint a kiss and life now to me she whispered twixt heart-broken sobs what will it be how shall i live but in one long memory my life my saint he murmured nay lift your dear face up to me again let me take away as a last memory the radiant vision of your eyes your hair your lips his arms tightened round her her head fell back as if in a swoon she closed her eyes and her soul went out to him in the ecstasy of that first kiss ah tis a lovely dream i dreamt he whispered "and 'tis meet that the awakening shall be only in death he tried to let her go but she clung to him passionately her arms round him in the agony of her despair take me with you she sobbed half fainting i cannot bear it i cannot gently he took hold of both her hands and again and again pressed them to his lips farewell sweet dream he said there dry those lovely tears if you only knew how happy i am you would not mourn for me i have spun the one thread in life which was worth the spinning the thread which binds me to your memory farewell the sergeant stepped forward again it was time to go are you ready sir he asked kindly quite ready sergeant she slid out of his arms her eyes quite dry now her hands pressed to her mouth to smother her screams of misery she watched the soldiers fall into line with their prisoner in their midst and turned to the doorway of the inn through which the golden sunshine came gaily peeping in outside a roll of drums was heard and shouts of the duke the duke the excitement had become electrical his royal highness mounted on a magnificent white charger was making his entry into the village at the head of his general staff and followed at some distance by the bulk of his army corps who would camp on the heath for the night squire west his stiff old spine doubled in two was in attendance on the green holding a parchment in his hand which contained his loyal address and that of the inhabitants of brassington the beadle more pompous than ever and resplendent in blue cloth and gold lace stood immediately behind his honor in the midst of all this gaiety and joyful excitement the silent group composed of the soldiers with their three prisoners appeared in strange and melancholy contrast philip and bathurst were to be confined in the courthouse under a strong guard pending his honor the squire's decision and as the little squad emerged upon the green twas small wonder that they caught his royal highness's eye he had been somewhat bored by squire west's long-winded harangue and was quite glad of an excuse for cutting it short odds buds he said and what have we here eh the sergeant and soldiers stood still at attention some twenty yards away from the brilliant group of his highness's general staff the little diversion had caused squire west to lose the thread of his speech and much relieved the duke beckoned the sergeant to draw nearer who are your prisoners sergeant queried his highness looking with some interest at the two young men one of whom was a mere lad whilst the other had a strange look of joy and pride in his pale face an air of aloofness and detachment from all his surroundings which puzzled and interested the duke not a little Tis a bit difficult to explain your royal highness replied the sergeant making the stiff military salute difficult to explain who your prisoners are laughed the duke incredulously saving your highness's presence responded the sergeant one of these gentlemen is philip gascoyne earl of stretton oho oh, the young reprobate rebel who was hand in glove with the pretender i mind his case well sergeant and the capture does your zeal great credit which of your prisoners is the earl of stretton that's just my trouble your royal highness but i hope that these papers will explain and the sergeant drew from his wallet the precious packet of letters and handed them respectfully to the duke what are these letters they were found on the person of that gentleman sir replied the sergeant indicating sir Humphrey challoner who stood behind the two younger men silent and sulky and nursing desperate thoughts of revenge he is said to be an accomplice and i thought twas my duty to bring him before a magistrate if i've done wrong you've done quite right sergeant said the duke firmly you were sent here to rid the country of rebels whom an act of parliament has convicted of high treason and it had been gross neglect of duty not to refer such a case to the nearest magistrate give me the papers i'll look through them anon see your prisoners safely under guard then come back to my quarters damnation muttered sir humphrey as he saw the duke take the packet of letters from the sergeant's hand and then turn away to listen to the fag end of squire west's loyal address throughout his chagrin however the squire of hardington was able to gloat over one comforting idea he had now lost all chance of pressing his suit on lady patience his actions in the past three days would inevitably cause her to look upon him with utter hatred and contempt but the man who was the cause of his failure the chivalrous and meddlesome highwayman beau brocade would as sure as the sun would set this night dangle on the nearest gibbet to-morrow chapter thirty-six